Hello Spectrumites and other people. My name is Forrest and welcome to the Pancake King, Life and Marriage on the Spectrum. The podcast for you to learn about the autism spectrum, learn what it's like for someone like me to live on the spectrum, and what marriage is like between two people on the spectrum. Army Men and Monsters was my first movie. Using empty boxes with construction paper to make buildings, as well as using toy soldiers, toy monsters, and a Treasure Planet Jim Hawkins action figure. I made a $0 budget short film with my dad who supported my budding interest in filmmaking. At my age of not even 10, I thought all I had to do was have a camera, throw some stuff together with a vague idea of what I wanted, and shoot it, and that's a movie. My dad, however, wanted me to go a different direction. He told me about scripts and storyboards and introduced me to the magic of editing. My dad had shot a few short films himself, and I don't mean to brag, but he was an extra in The Dark Knight. People on YouTube don't believe me when I tell them in the comment sections. You see his face for at least a second. He was also a guy that got shot and killed in an indie action movie, so, you know, he's been around. I wanted to start making two-hour-long movies right at the beginning, because that's what movies were and are. Two hours or longer films with multi-layered storytelling, multiple character arcs, and high stakes. Whatever I made, it had to be like The Lord of the Rings, or in the case of Army Men and Monsters, Godzilla. My dad was also the one who introduced me to Godzilla, and showed me dozens of the movies when I was a kid, and that's what ultimately inspired me to make this little movie that was shot in our basement. My dad assisted me with the process the whole way, and he showed me the editing process after we shot it. Only thing is, I don't think it was ever completely finished. There was one Christmas, where my parents set me up in a way that they swore never to do again. They got me a video camera so that I could make movies with it, but to afford it for me in the first place and really surprise me, they bought a a bunch of smaller, more mediocre gifts like bubblegum and Cheetos and even put them in big boxes to use the big box trick on me. So after the third or fourth quote-unquote gift, I looked over at my brothers who were getting a whole bunch of stuff that they wanted, and then I started quietly crying. I'm glad I didn't say anything to my parents at the moment, because I probably wouldn't have sounded nice. Finally, they gave me the final gift, and it's a video camera. It was the first real camera I owned. I would spend several years shooting videos with it, but I made something clear to my parents after I unwrapped it. I reminded them that I actually wanted season one of Spongebob. Christmas morning was over after that. Okay, so the autism might have come through at the end there, but ultimately, I accepted the camera, I grew to like it, and used to shoot a bunch of videos and movies that never got finished. But that doesn't matter, the point is that it kept my interest in filmmaking alive, and it motivated me to write more scripts because I had what I needed in order to bring those scripts to life. It also didn't hurt that the camera had an mp3 player on it too. I used it to dance along to Can't Heat from the end of Napoleon Dynamite, until my father came into my room after seeing me flailing around to what was, to him, silence, thanks to my earbuds, and reminded me that being sent to my room as punishment didn't mean I could dance my little autistic heart out. I was curious about filmmaking when I was growing up, but I also loved films in general. 
It's an interest of mine that I still have. I absolutely loved Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, and some of those oddball films like Flubber, starring Robin Williams, and Rocket Man. No, not the 2019 film about Elton John, that one from 1997. Over the last couple of years, I've developed a passion for going and seeing films in the theater, even ones that aren't big blockbuster hits, and I try to tackle as many new films as possible in a year so that I can have a proper ranking list by the year's end. So yes, I saw both Oppenheimer and Barbie this year, and they were both good. As a passionate storyteller, I tend to look for narrative beats and character development in films, and judge them based on those merits. Sure, everything else is important, but the kind of story the director is trying to tell and the kind of message the director is trying to convey are the things that have interested me most. A lot of people like to say these days that good movies are hard to come by now, but I disagree. I believe good movies are still made. You just have to be willing to see more than the newest Marvel film or the latest Star Wars Disney Plus show. Andor was great, by the way. This year, I absolutely loved John Wick 4, Oppenheimer, and Across the Spider-Verse. Throw in a few other films like A Man Called Otto, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, and Sound of Freedom. I do not care about the politics around that film. I decided it was good because it tells a story well, and it's competently produced. Sometimes my passion for movies and learning more about the craft can send me down some rabbit holes. For example... This year, I watched Wes Anderson's newest film, Asteroid City, and was so intrigued by his style that I set out to watch a lot of his other movies, like The Grand Budapest Hotel, Fantastic Mr. Fox, and Moonrise Kingdom, and grew to really love and appreciate his version of the craft even more. There was a book I had to read for high school called Hollywood Worldviews, which was a book about helping you discern the kinds of worldviews and messaging found in the films, and how to better understand the director's vision and intent. The tools in this book have stuck with me throughout my life since, and it has also made it so that I don't just watch a film and jump to conclusions on how I felt about it. I'm also not going to come to an opinion on a film before I even see it. That's something that happens, unfortunately, too often these days. I've had instances where I watched a movie, disliked it, then thought more about it later and realized it was actually so much better than I thought, and instances where I liked it, then later realized later it was actually bad. I'll even watch a movie I disliked more than once to better understand why it was bad. This isn't just all linked to a passion for films. This is also linked to my passion for storytelling and why jumping to conclusions based on what you see on the surface or getting immersed in the culture war over movies are not healthy ways of engaging with the art of storytelling and film. Will I ever make a movie myself and actually finish it? Maybe. I've had some ideas, even recently. I've always felt more comfortable writing novels and short stories than I have writing scripts. But if I even made one movie in my lifetime, I would be completely content with that. So to wrap this up, I saw something uh, on Twitter recently, or X, whatever we call it now, uh, where someone I knew posted a list of 13 movies to get to know me. And uh, I thought that was really cool, and I posted that on my social media, but I thought it would be cool to share it here. I'm not going to go into the whys uh, for why each of these movies are why they're good ones, Uh, for you to get to know me, maybe in a later episode or even some bonus content, 
But to cap off this episode, I will just say the list out loud here, and you can di go disagree with me in uh, the comment sections on my substack. So 13 movies to get to know me. The Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King. Goodwill Hunting. The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. Logan. Toy Story. The Matrix. Star Wars, Revenge of the Sith. Joker. Captain America, The Winter Soldier. Monty Python and the Holy Grail. The Grand Budapest Hotel. Narnia, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And John Wick. Thank you guys for listening to this episode about my love for film some stories involving my past when it comes to films and where you could probably even see the autism in there. And I hope you come back next week as I take a few scenes from different films and apply them to parts of my life that's very much rooted in my place on the autism spectrum. There's not a lot of autistic representation out there in film and TV, but that doesn't mean I can't connect with or relate to moments from films that have nothing to do with autism itself. So check out my Substack if you haven't already at thepancakeking.substack.com and subscribe to receive new content every week via email.